0: Today we're going to continue with the book of Luke. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 7. And I want to read for us this morning, this next little episode, this next account in Luke's Gospel. It's about an interaction between Jesus and John the Baptist. And I want to read from verse 18. Let's see, let's go down to verse 28 uh, this morning. Luke 7, Scripture reads this way, "'The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, "'Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another?' And when the men had come to him, they said, "'John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, "'Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another?' In that hour, he, that is Jesus, healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of woman, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God Is greater than He. Let's pray together again once more this morning. Father, again this morning as your church, we bow before you and we come to worship you. We've done so through song and through interacting through your word. And now we pray that as we look together into what your servant Luke has to say to us about you, Lord Jesus that you would give us ears to hear and hearts that are open. Holy Spirit, we invite you afresh to come and speak to us. And we ask once more that you would help us to see Jesus and his kingdom a little more clearly. For we ask this in your great name, amen. So we all imagine that life will go in a certain way. And when it doesn't go in that way, we are surprised. So this morning you got in your car and you put your key in and you anticipated that your car would start up and you would come here. And here you are. So I'm assuming your car worked. When you drove here, you assumed that everyone would stay in their lane, that they wouldn't come over into your lane, that you would arrive here safely. And I imagine that everyone here today arrived safely. We all walk through life with all kinds of Assumptions and imaginings of how life is going to go and what it's going to look like. About five years ago, I was driving in town here on Eighth Avenue, and I just crossed through the stop sign at at the front of the YMCA, and was going west. There's a little rise there that goes eventually to where, like the Catholic Church is down on Eighth Avenue. And as I'm driving away from the stop sign, I see this tire come bounding down the road, 8th Avenue. And it's not like going slowly, but I mean, it's coming at a great clip and it's spinning real fast. And I move my car over just a little bit and the thing like two feet away from the front of my car zips by me. And I look at my rearview mirror, and it goes down to the stop sign, and then it cuts across the road over into the gas station there that's on the corner. I don't know if that's a come and go or park and stop or whatever it is, that one. What is it? Get and go, yeah. That tire ended up in the get and go. And I thought to myself, whoa, I never imagined that. That's the first time I've ever seen that happen. And then I, I get a little farther down the road and come up. There's a little a rise there, come up over the top. And there I find this van and it's sitting in the middle of the road and the front end is kind of tilted down a little bit because it doesn't have a front tire on the front left side of the vehicle. And there was a poor lady sitting at the wheel with this surprised look on her face and I don't imagine that she ever imagined that her wheel would ever come off. Have you ever had a wheel come off? I've never had that happen before. Oh, there's a couple of hands. A wheel has come off. Well, that happens in life. We all imagine how things will go, but when it doesn't go that way, we get surprised. Sometimes we're surprised in a pleasant way, right? We laugh or we shout in joy, but there are other times when we're surprised and it leads to things like confusion or anger or fear or disappointment or discouragement, all kinds of ways that we can react When the way that we imagine things ought to go and ought to be when they don't happen that way. Well, that's what happens in our text today. Now, at this point in the story, if you remember, John is in prison. Now, Luke begins his book telling us that, for instance, uh, the angel had come to Mary and said, Mary, I'm going to give you a son and you're going to name him Jesus. And he's gonna sit on the throne of his father David. And he's gonna rule over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And the one who was to announce this Jesus who was to come was this man, John the Baptist. He had been born of Elizabeth, and he, as he grew up, became a prophet who was out in the wilderness declaring the word of the Lord. And saying things like, um, I'm not the one to come, but the one who is to come, I mean, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Like I'm down here and he's way up here. And when he comes, he says things like his winnowing fork will be in his hands and he's going to get the wheat, you know, out of the barn and on the threshing floor, there's going to be the chaff and there's this picture that this one to come is going to arrive and set everything straight. God's kingdom was going to come. And this one was going to sit on the throne of his father David, right? And he's going to establish a kingdom and he's going to rule forever. So, among the things that John is doing is like preaching strong words against the current king, Herod. And you know the story that because of what John was saying, John got thrown in the prison. And there he remained. And so here is John in prison wondering about Jesus, this one to come, the one that he was to announce would come and set up this kingdom and who would rule and reign forever and ever. Except he has a problem, right? He has, an imag- he has in his mind a picture of what that's going to look like. But as he's watching Jesus go about and teach and preach and act like he's not getting it. So he sends a couple of his disciples. He still had some men who were connected with him and following him. And they go to Jesus and they ask simply, John wants to know, Are you the one? I mean... It's not in the text, but you can kind of put these words in. I thought you were the one. Are you the one? And if you're not, let me know. Are, am I supposed to be looking for someone else who is to come? And John, in this passage, you, you, you get the idea that John is confused because he is. And as he sees Jesus moving about the land, he is confused and um not sure at all of what is going on. I mean he wasn't acting like a king. Herod remained in power. And after all, why wasn't Jesus doing anything about this? Like, come get me out of prison and set things right. We can be there too, right? We get confused and disappointed. And we wonder, God, are you the one? I had in my head kind of a picture of the way life would go. And it doesn't seem to be working out. I thought you were the one. Is it you or am I supposed to be looking for something else? And we can feel and sense exactly what John is going through. It's interesting in this passage that Jesus Jesus doesn't give him a direct answer. He doesn't say, yes, I'm the one, or no, I'm not the one. Go look for someone else. How does he respond? Well, he says this. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor... They have good news preached to them. And then he says these words, Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Who I am and what I'm doing and how I'm going about this thing that you anticipated and proclaimed. Well, the disciples go back to John and then Jesus turns to the crowd and he says to them, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A weed blowing by the wind? No. A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Who did you go out to see? You went out to see a prophet. And more than a prophet, not just any prophet, but the one who was to announce the one who was to come, the one who was to announce me. And then he says, this incredible word about John the Baptist. He said, among all those born of women, there is no one greater than he. John was right up there. But then he goes to say these words, but the least of those who are in my kingdom, the very least of those who are in my kingdom are greater than John. So what is Jesus getting at In this passage, what is Luke trying to get us to see? Jesus here is making comments about the kingdom, about what it's like, and about those who are in it. And when we don't understand exactly what God's kingdom is all about, then like John, we tend to get confused let me ask you a question. If you were going to define the gospel or describe the gospel, how would you do it? What is it? What words would you use? Well, you might say, well, that's where I get saved, right? Um, I'm a sinner, and so I need to get saved, and so I need to ask Jesus into my heart so that when I die, I get to go with to be with God in heaven, and kind of my eternal destiny is secure. That's all true. You might think, well, then, you know, so once I got that under my belt, then, you know, I try to be a good person, I try to do some good things, I try to come to church, and, uh, you know, I read my Bible when I can. And, you know, I try to do some service, some activities. Maybe I come and I serve in an activity at church or I try to give some money or I try to be kind. Uh, basically, I try to be good. And uh, even sometimes we think, you know, I, I, so I got this heaven thing all cleared up and then I just kind of want to fly under the radar, right? I don't want God to, to pay attention too closely to me Unless I get in some trouble, then I'll need some help. But then, you know, at best I can, I try to do some good things. But what I really want is this thing called heaven. Because it's a free gift, right? It's interesting. I was, uh, I met with a guy this week. Not a believer. uh, Kind of searching. Not sure if he's searching but in a lot of difficulty and trouble and looking for some help. We talked for about an hour and a half, and he was describing some of the things that he was facing and relationship struggles and things in his life. And then as we began to talk, I began to share with him about, well, the person of God and how God wants to connect with him and, in fact, enter his life. And In the midst of that conversation, he immediately switched to this really interesting dialogue. He began to tell me that, you know, well, I'm not one of those kind of people that thinks a lot about when I die. In fact, he said, I'm okay with the thought that if I were to die, then that would be it. Like there wouldn't be heaven or hell. It would just, all I've got is this life. I'm not too bothered by that. So when we started thinking about God, he immediately switched to this you 're going to tell me about the life to come." And right or wrong, he was saying, "I really don 't think a whole lot about that, and I would be fine if this life would be it." He said, what i 'm really interested in is help right now and trying to figure out my relationships and what i 'm doing." And he described his background. he came from a very challenging background and and had to do a lot on his own from a very young age and very self-driven, but now he was seeing that in some of his life it wasn't working real well. And he he was saying basically, I need help now. Do you have anything for me now? <laughs> kind of thing, let alone this thing to come when I'm dead and gone. So what is the gospel? interesting that when you read through the gospel of Luke, the good news, right? That's what the gospel is. Another word for it is the good news, that you'll hear it described in these kinds of ways. Now, um, we're going to look at a few, but they'll be up on the screen. So you have things like Luke chapter 4, verse 43, and it reads this way, but he... That is, Jesus, in Luke 4, 43, he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom to God. I, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose, Jesus says. What's the good news? What's the gospel? Well, Jesus says, that's why I'm here to preach it, to proclaim it. And what is it that the kingdom of God is here? In Luke chapter 9, Luke writes this, and he, that is Jesus, sent them, that is the 12, his 12 disciples, he sent them out to proclaim what? The kingdom of God and to heal. Luke chapter 9 Further on in the chapter, Jesus says this. No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back, and looks back, is fit for the kingdom. He says this in Luke chapter 12. There he's talking about, um, you know, clothes that you wear and food that you eat and shelter. And Jesus says, don't worry about any of those things. Your father knows that you need them. But what, what should you seek, Jesus says? Instead, he says, seek his kingdom. And by the way, all these other things, they'll be added to you. In Luke 17, Jesus talks this way Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's right here, right here with me, you could add the words. Jesus talks about the good news. He does it using this imagery, this picture of God's kingdom. And oh, by the way, the king of that kingdom is who? It's Jesus. It's the one who's going to sit on the throne of David and of his kingdom there will be no end. Gabriel the angel said. That is the message of the good news that the kingdom in Jesus is here. Well, what is the kingdom? What does it look like? And how does it unfold? Well, Jesus answered John's uh, disciples here in chapter 7. Look again at verse 22 and following. When they ask, are you the one to come or shall we look for another? Jesus says this. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor, they have the good news preached to them, proclaimed to them. And what is the good news? It is the good news of God's kingdom that it is here and present in me. phrase kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven as it is used in the gospel, well, it comes with a whole truckload of material that comes alongside of it. But if you were to to distill it perhaps down into its most simple description, the kingdom of God is simply where God rules and reigns, where God, where. What God wants and desires happens. So we pray things like, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. What? May your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And the kingdom of God is where God's rule and reign enjoys free expression, not only in God, but also in the citizens of the kingdom, those who have stepped into the kingdom and kingdom life. And the kingdom is where God's rule and reign is made available to you and me. Now, God's rule and reign doesn't mean kind of this picture and image of God gets to boss us around, right? God is in charge, and he tells everyone what to do. And if they don't do it, then they get into trouble, right? It's not that kind of image of God ruling and reigning. But it is that place where the life of God, as he intended, is free to flow, See, the rule of heaven isn't about a bunch of laws, but it's about showing us, you and me, the kind of life that God intended for his people. A life that is rich and full of life, real life, eternal life. So that eternal life isn't something that begins when I die. But it begins right now, when the moment that I step into the kingdom and begin to receive from the king himself, his life, his resurrected life, then we begin to experience the kind of life that God desires for us. It's the kind of life that Jesus describes as he quotes... Isaiah 35, and the words that he gives to John's disciples to take back to John are words for the most part that come out of Isaiah 35. It's the kind of place, the kind of realm, the kind of rule where the blind see. And those who can't hear suddenly can hear. And those who are lame can walk. And those who are sick are healed and where those who are dead get raised to new life. And the poor, (laughs) they are welcomed in. And the good news is proclaimed to them as well. I suppose in a sense you could say it's that place, it's that realm where love rules and rules supremely and where everything that is anti-love is kicked out and not allowed into the kingdom. And it's the kind of life that is transforming and radical in all its dimensions, not in a constricting way, like I've got to come under someone's rule and authority, but in a way that is freeing and life-giving, That's the kind of kingdom that Jesus came to proclaim and to establish and to rule over in love. And how do I get into that kingdom? Well, to get into that kingdom, you have to want to get into that kingdom. First of all, this gentleman that I was talking with this past week, one of the things that he said is that You know, in life, I've pretty much had to do it all. I had to rely upon myself. And I have had to be very strong in very challenging situations. And we talked about that. And that this, this relationship with God includes this willingness. Well, as Jesus said, right? You must deny yourself and take up your cross and begin to follow me. And to step into my kingdom... And we talked about how there are those in their lives whose kind of life is characterized by no one is ever going to tell me what to do. And I said to him, how's that working for you right now? And he said, not very well. But still, he recognized, and I give him credit for this, that it wasn't about merely praying a prayer, But but it was about recognizing that that I needed to come to this place where I acknowledged, in fact, that there really was a God. And if there really was a God, that he had authority over my life. And to step into his kingdom meant that I had to have a radical transformation of how I viewed life. And that it wasn't going to be about me anymore. It was going to be about someone else. Well, that's exactly what he needed. That's exactly what he needs. And so he went away. I said, I, You know, I'm not going to challenge you to, to take any steps. What I want you to do is go away and think about this so that you know what you're going to do. It's not just praying a prayer but it's stepping into kingdom life and entering into it fully under the rule and realm, under the blessed and glorious and joyful rule and realm of the king. And when we do that, when we do that, we find that we live in the realm where God is in an action. All around me, in my life, around my life, through my life, where his spirit is present and his son is alive. And that's where we get to live under that reality. God begins to transform us and to free us from the brokenness, the blindness and the deafness and the lameness and death itself for those who step into the kingdom. The Apostle Paul says it this way in the book of Romans, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now that is life, real life, genuine life, the kind of life that Jesus came to offer. Now it unfolded in a way that John could not imagine. John Uh, the Baptist that he couldn't imagine. And Jesus said to him, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. But here's the good news. If you will but just step into the kingdom, Jesus as he turns to the crowd, even the very least in that kingdom is greater than John himself, who was announcing the kingdom to come. My wife and I were talking recently about the city of Newton, and uh, formerly we were uh, missionaries uh, with the Alliance when we were serving overseas in uh, the country of Argentina. And we asked ourselves if we were just now coming to Newton as missionaries, how would we do it? And what would we do? If we had a missionary mindset, let me use another phrase, if we had a kingdom mindset, how would we do it? And where would we go? Have you ever thought about that? If somehow God plucked you, let's say you didn't grow up in Newton, you didn't even know Newton existed, but God came to you and said, I want you to go to the city of Newton, Iowa, and be missionaries there and proclaim my kingdom, what would you do? And where would you go? And how would you organize your daily life? When we first moved to Newton back in 2008, Before we bought a house, we moved into a series of apartments, some duplexes that are up. I can't remember the name. They're up in the far uh, northwest portion of town, right by Union Cemetery. You know where that area of town is? And uh, we moved in there. I tell you, there was a ton of activity in that setting. Lots of kids running around. And... uh, we stayed there a couple of months, and then we found a house in town and uh, you know, got a mortgage, the whole uh, American thing, and moved in, and God's blessed us there. But you know, if we were coming to Newton as missionaries, we probably wouldn't do what we did. We do what we did in Argentina. We find a place where there were lots of broken people And lots of activity and move in right into that neighborhood. When uh, about uh, two weeks before we arrived, actually Mary and the kids moved early to Newton. I I stayed back where I was still finishing up. And um, those first couple of weeks she was going from place to place. And she remembers stopping in one set of apartments. I know, find a place that we could live uh, temporarily and uh, as she was kind of looking at the apartments, someone from the apartments was coming out, and so she stopped him and said, "Hey, can you tell me about what life is like here? Are these good apartments, you know, to move into?" And the guy said, "Well, if you like a lot of drama, this is a great place to be. <laughs> uh, you can imagine." Well, who wants drama? Except drama is a place where there's people who are blind and there's people who can't see and people who are lame and people who are ill, whose lives are broken, who need resurrected, resurrection power to come and be alive in their midst. Now, hear me. I, I'm not saying that if you live in a nice neighborhood where there's not a lot of drama, that that's a bad thing. I mean, I, we live in a house in a neighborhood. That's where we moved. The problem is not living in a nice neighborhood. The problem is, is that we don't consider other options for the sake of the kingdom, To be kingdom minded, to step into the kingdom, this kind of kingdom that Jesus is describing, doesn't mean that we have to move to Africa like Chris and Candy would. Now, God spoke specifically to Chris and Candy and had them move there. But it does require for all of us this kind of radical reorientation of our life around Jesus and his kingdom. and a willingness to enter into a life that may be a little different than what we imagined. John's still in prison. John the Baptist. And not long from this experience right here, John literally loses his head, right? Herod cuts it off, and it gets put on a platter. You know the story. Did that mean that Jesus wasn't actively doing something? He was. But the picture was different than what John envisioned. And for us too. You know, it's demanding to follow a king who doesn't do what we imagine. But it's the only way to find eternal life. It's the only way to find kingdom life that begins right now. We often overestimate the value of what we have and underestimate the value of what we might gain by giving up our life and stepping fully into the kingdom. Jesus said to John, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Father, we bow before you this morning again. And uh, we ask for your help to see a little more clearly our Lord and the kind of message that he came to not only proclaim, but the kind of kingdom life that he came to give and to share with those like us here in this room. Jesus, we confess that oftentimes our Our vision of what life should look like doesn't always match you and your heart and your kingdom. Lord, we would simply pray and ask that you would give us courage to look more clearly at what we have and to compare it to what we might have in you if we would but just fully step into your kingdom. Lord, I thank you that in you there is love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and cleansing. And we praise you that in you is life itself. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Lord, help us not to be offended at you. But rather, with great joy, embrace all that you are and all that you mean to intend to bring about. For your kingdom is good and rich. And in your kingdom is life, both right now and forevermore. Jesus, we pray this in your great name. Amen.